It's time for Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And here is your host, Inside Towers business editor, John Celentano. Hello, everyone. Uh, We're glad you can join us today. As the wireless industry advances with next generation air interface technology, Spectrum has become more valuable than ever. We see with 5G that spectrum is needed in low band, mid band, and high band frequencies. T4 refers to this combination as the layer cake. All of these frequencies are needed to enable a whole new set of high speed, low latency mobile data applications and use cases. The results of the recently concluded FCC auction 105 for priority access licenses or PALS in the mid band 3.5 gigahertz citizens broadband radio services or CBRS band shows us who the bid winners are and where they will use the spectrum. The auction offered a total of 22,631 PALs that consisted of seven 10 megahertz PALs in each of 3,233 county-based licensed areas across the country. Here to help us understand the implications of auction 105's outcomes is Brian Gomer, president of Allnet Insights and Analytics. Brian, welcome to Tower Talks. Thanks, John. Great to have you here. By way of introduction, uh, Brian, why don't you give us the uh, elevator pitch on your company and uh, a little on your your own background in the wireless business. Sure. Allnet Insights uh, produces um, spectrum data and spectrum analysis tools to allow you to better understand each carrier's position uh, in the wireless space, the amount of spectrum resources they have at their fingertips. Um, And we do uh, those products for Canada, Mexico, and the United States uh, for both the sub-6 and the millimeter wave spectrum bands. Um, My background is I have about 25 years in the wireless business. Um, 15 of that was as a wireless carrier, typically in engineering and uh, spectrum uh, regulatory type functions. Uh, First 10 years was with uh, Western Wireless, um, kind of preceding even kind of the voice stream T-Mobile creation. And then the final five years of, as a carrier was with Clearwire. So um, got a lot of clear insights into uh, the 2.5 gigahertz spectrum specifically. Great. Well, I guess we would call you uh, an industry vet, right? Um, but look, just to clarify what we mean when we say mid-band, what frequency regions are we actually referring to, say, as opposed to either low band or high band? Uh, typically, when they talk about, when the industry talks about mid band, they're talking about uh, above one gigahertz to six gigahertz. Um, when, when I address it, um, that's, a, that's an awfully large um, segment of, of spectrum. Um, I actually break it in most of our reports into two pieces, lower mid band and then upper mid-band. And the reason for the, the separation is in the lower mid-band, you kind of have the, the traditional PCS AWS spectrum bands that are fairly widely deployed on a, a select grid of towers. The upper mid-band spectrum, so above, uh, above two gigahertz all the way to um, at least what we're auctioning today, up through six, or up through basically four gigahertz, those frequency bands require a slightly higher uh, density of tower. So it's helpful to kind of categorize that spectrum in separate buckets um, from the lower mid-band spectrum. That's helpful, certainly. Um, and I think it, it puts into context what we're, what we're covering here today. 
Um, we saw the list of qualified bidders before the auction. Um, it's certainly uh, an interesting mix, to say the least. Uh, how would you rate the uh, this auction in terms of uh, either total licenses being sold or uh, any other aspect that might differentiate it from from prior uh, auctions? Well, it was it was rather astounding the sheer number of participants. Uh, I think originally there were 272 um, companies that signed up to participate in the auction. I think at the end of the day, the, the number was uh, was closer to 200. And at the outcome, uh, there were, uh, we added at least uh, 160 new carriers that had never owned wireless spectrum before uh, to our database. So I think it's outstanding in terms of the wide participation and the variety of different carriers. A typical licensed spectrum auction where the spectrum can't be shared, um, which is what made this spectrum particularly unique, um, you would typically see 20 or 30 and maybe at the most 40 participants uh, from a standard cast of characters being carriers, the cable companies, and the smaller regional wireless carriers and, and telephone companies. Right, absolutely. There, as you pointed out, there were some companies in that had never owned any, any uh, frequency spectrum that we were aware of at least. Um, would you say that the, you know, given that, that uh, large uh, list of players, um, did the results play out as we might have expected, either by geography or, or by type of bidder? Or, um, what was your take on, on the, the outcome? Yeah, I think it, um, it, it went about how I would have expected. And I think for, for the auction participants, um, most everyone that participated, I think, got what they wanted. Um, sure. At the end of the day, Verizon was very focused on getting the this auction focused on each of the market areas was essentially a county, and Verizon was very focused um, on gathering in 40 megahertz or 30 megahertz in most of the populated uh, areas of the country. Uh, but that left much of the, the country for the more regional operators or WISPs that are were really new to this space to buy up spectrum that covers the, the geography reach that they currently had. Uh -huh. uh -huh. my, my other takeaway on the, the pricing of the auction was although the auction was, was essentially priced, uh, I went in with the expectation that the auction would be around 20 cents megahertz pop. The yep. average uh, price of the spectrum on a national basis ended up being about 21 cents. Right. Say the urban markets, uh, the urban counties, priced much higher. And kind of the, the way that I developed my forecast, Seattle, not Seattle, but um, New York and Los Angeles would have been about 37 cents a megahertz pot. And they actually came in. Um, 50 and 70 cents, uh, 46 cents, 91 cents, 68 cents. So many of the urban areas went significantly above the, you know, the numbers that would have given me a 20 cent average. Mm -hmm. Tells me is that the vast majority of the remaining counties were probably underpriced relative to that 20 cent mark. Um, to, to ultimately get the national average lower. So many, many rural markets went for 
a bargain compared to that, what they, you would have expected at a 20 cent price. Well, do you think the bidders were looking to go at a, at a lower price point um, just because of the, the areas they were trying to obtain spectrum in, uh, rural areas? Um, you know, we know WISPs and, and other other operators uh, serve these markets, but, um, um, you know, the lower price point doesn't, doesn't you know, make sense if you, if you put it in context. Oh, absolutely. And I guess what, what I'm comparing is that those markets went at a lower price point than those same counties went for the AWS 3 auction. Ah, so okay. You, it's just, they, they got a, a much better deal as compared to other auctions for that same county. And, and, and you know, with the CBRS band, uh, there is a, a that chunk of... Um, uh, generally available spectrum that could be married to or, or at least uh, deployed complementary to the PAL licenses, right? Absolutely. Um, it, so what it will really allow these rural carriers and WISP to operate systems that, that utilize both the GAA spectrum and the PAL spectrum, but the, right. the PAL spectrum allows them to know that they have an ability to control their a kind of a service level agreement, a quality of service, mm-hmm. knowing that they can definitely command, you know, 20, 30, or 40 megahertz of spectrum in their rural county exclusively for their customers, and then they can still share spectrum on top of that. Right, right. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, were there any significant outliers on, on all of this. I, I mean, you compared, um, you know, the urban, the big urban areas with rural areas, but uh, were there any um, counties or bids in any counties that uh, really kind of uh, were an eye opener that uh, were not really expected? Yeah, I would say that for the amount of drum beating that occurred, talking about this being the innovation band. Um, there, I can really only point to one county where that's really the case. And, and the county is Loving, Texas, and there's several different articles out there in some of the yes. wireless yes, periodicals. Right. But what it really illustrated was it, it went for, I believe, $141 a megahertz pop. Uh-huh. Yes, in fact, uh, that's confirmed. <laughs> and, okay. and what drives that, it's a county with, um, in 2010, it had 82 people. <laughs> it actually has grown to 161 in the most recent uh, census estimates in 2019. But that still is um, a lot of money. $116,000 was paid for each block of spectrum. Um, there. So what that really illustrates is that there are hundreds and thousands of people, uh, over 100,000 people that are working now in the Loving, Texas uh, County for oil and gas and hundreds of, and thousands of wells. So two different um, energy services companies um, and then DISH um, bought, each of the energy services company bought three channels and then DISH just because DISH could never have enough spectrum, uh, also bought a channel. But the, the focus in that market is that it's the really the only place I can point to where the value of the spectrum was tied to something besides people. Yeah. In this case, it's, it's machines. 
Yep, yep. I, I mean, I, I, I suppose, you know, this is as good a spectrum as any to use for uh, um, a machine-to-machine -machine or IoT application, although, you know, 10 megahertz of uh, blocks is a fair amount of spectrum even for, the, for that. But uh, nonetheless, I think the expectation is that, that an area like that with the concentration of in industry in that area is, is going to grow dramatically and that spectrum is probably going to get used up rather, rather quickly. Uh, absolutely. And, and again, the, the other good news is that you also, other companies have the ability to use the other 80 megahertz spectrum that's mm -hmm. available. There's GAA and, and then I would even point to the fact that um, in all likelihood, the vast majority of the 2.5 gigahertz spectrum would be available in that market in a, in a future EBS white space auction that's scheduled following the C-band uh, auction at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, well, you mentioned the C-band. Uh, I mean, you know, this whole discussion around mid-band is certainly going to continue for some time, and, and we have the, um, the C-band auction. The C-band is, I believe, 3.7 gigahertz um, frequencies, and that's coming up in, in December. Uh, at, this, at this juncture, Brian, what should we be looking for in terms of uh, uh, who, might, who would be bidding and, uh, and what, what might we expect uh, the prices uh, to come in at in comparable to the CBRS uh, auction? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So one of the interesting takeaways from the CBRS auction is that AT&T was a participant, as was T-Mobile. Um, AT&T uh, did not win. Uh, in fact, it looked like they only uh, submitted uh, down payments for like $1,000. So it looks like they never really intended to bid in that auction. They just were wanting to kind of throw people off or something. Um, T-Mobile walked away with eight licenses. Um, so very, very light participation. In fact, four of those licenses are in the boroughs of New York. Um, but what that I think definitely points to is the need for AT&T to participate in this the C-band uh, auction, as well as I think Verizon will participate. AT&T went into the CBRS auction in a, in a stronger position than Verizon in terms of total spectrum depth, but um, most of that is still um, due to the first net low band spectrum. So they are still needing um, mid band spectrum. Verizon, as I look at Verizon, the CBRS spectrum is what I call bridging spectrum. It allows mm -hmm. to hopefully deploy a mid band 5G network immediately. That's the really cool thing. That's not usually what we talk about at, about spectrum at, at when it comes out of an auction that handsets are already available. Yes. Base stations are already available. Base stations are already deployed. <laughs> so Verizon very quickly will have the ability to turn up, you know, probably within the next six to nine months, parts of a mid-band 5G network to get to balance what T-Mobile is doing. But it, this is really just 40 megahertz is, is still half of what T-Mobile is doing for 5G in the mid-band, which is 100 megahertz. So Verizon and AT&T both are going to be um, significant players. The, there'll be questions. Um, 
Verizon's already fighting T-Mobile's ability to license more low band spectrum uh, just due to their spec the amount of spectrum they already control. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch the FCC and how they uh, act uh, on some of Verizon's petitions, specifically to deny them the ability to lease additional spectrum. So there, I think that there's questions about how active T-Mobile can be because they, they approach the spectrum screen or exceed the FCC spectrum screen in many markets. Um, they, they still could be selective as a participant. Um, DISH, DISH won't have any um, limitations in terms of spectrum screen going into this auction, uh, the CBAN auction. The question continues to be, um, don't they already have enough spectrum, but they, they seem to be willing to quote unquote future proof the company and then I think that there still is space. Um, in fact, uh, what will be interesting, I think, to look at at a future time is kind of based upon Verizon's bidding history from the CRS auction, what are the PEA markets that aren't overlapping any of those counties and highlighting those as PEA markets that might be ripe for um, either an investor or rural telephone companies to, to then purchase. The, the big difference with the C-band auction is that the, the markets are going to be PEA markets. So it becomes a little more difficult for small carriers to pick up just the spectrum that overlap their existing operations. That's another reason why the BRS auction was so favorable to, to small companies. It gave them a, a bigger area for the for the price, right? Well, it 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 they didn't have to buy. I mean, so, so for the C band, you're you're gonna let's just say you you only operate in one county, just outside of Dallas, Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. The challenge is that your the county that you operate in is part of the Dallas Fort Worth license area. Yeah. And it, expensive and difficult to get access to that PEA market in the auction. With the CBRS auction, you were able to just go right in and say, that's the county I want. It's not in the Dallas Metroplex. Thus, Verizon wasn't bidding aggressively on it, and there were the cable companies, so you had a better opportunity to acquire it, where it will be more difficult. You're going to have to go more rural um, to find PEA markets that, that the carriers, the large carriers aren't bidding on. Right. Okay. Well, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting going forward. I think uh, the dynamics here are such that we know, and we've used your information in the past to show what the, the, the national weighted spectrum holdings are of the major carriers. And, and certainly, as you point out, AT&T and, and Verizon really need to shore up their holdings in the mid band given what they, they have in low band and, and certainly in millimeter wave. Um, I'm wondering, you know, having gone through this auction, um, just how extensive the bidders list might be for C-band, uh, if we assume that AT&T and Verizon might uh, be, you know, make it top heavy and, and be looking to, to uh, try to scoop up as much as they can in the process. Yeah. My, my sense is that we're going to return to the more typical um, size of uh, auctions that, you know, there may be no more than 20 participants for this next round and that that's going yeah. to be 
Um, I think for me, the one of the questions will just be, now that we've seen that Comcast, Charter, Cox, Mediacom, that, you know, kind of a whole host of uh, Cable One, you know, there's, a, there's not a consortium. It doesn't mm -hmm. appear they're completely all, all uh, kind of looking at each other's holdings as a combined holding. But, mm -hmm. but you can loosely say that those large and mid-sized cable operators now all of a sudden are spectrum owners again. Mm -hmm. Some of them owned spectrum and sold it. So what interest are they going to have in adding to their their spectrum portfolio, um, especially because the antennas that they're going to put up for CDRS will effectively, uh, or they'll be very easy to, to put up antennas that will essentially cover the CBRS band and the C-band. It's not like um, if you were to look at a Verizon tower today, you're going to see a low band antenna for their low band spectrum assets. You're going to see a mid band antenna for their mid band and you're going to see millimeter wave and right. those types of antennas with just one, one installation, all these cable companies would be able to easily utilize the C band spectrum. And I see the cable company and we've written about this as well. The cable companies looking at wireless and now the availability of this spectrum as um, allowing them to augment their bundled offerings within their service territories or within their franchise territories, as opposed to uh, creating a regional wireless network per se that would just compete uh, uh, for subscribers. Uh, you know, to me, their, their motivation is more strategic and in serving their customers, albeit if the customer decides to sign with them, they'll probably give up their wireless carrier from one of the, the, the tier ones. But um, so the fact that they're owning and holding significant amount of spectrum within their franchise areas, I think, uh, bodes well for them as a provider in their areas and actually giving up their the fees they have to pay for uh, for um, be, being a virtual network operator off a carrier's network. So it's an interesting play among the ca the cable companies. Yeah, no, I would say that it's it's. It's interesting to look at the results of the CBRS auction where you see that they essentially purchased, each of the cable companies purchased their cable franchise areas, probably speaks to where they have the most customer demand. Until you started to kind of comment to it just a second ago, I never really thought, I thought I've thought of them as national carriers because they have access nationally via the MVNO, but the reality um, appears based upon their auction strategy that their their customers are very localized to their their franchise areas, and they're really not trying to add customers outside of those franchise areas. They just yeah. want the roaming support in right. the areas. Right. Right. Yeah. That that was my take on having looked at it a little closer. That that you know it really doesn't. They're not in a position to, and it doesn't make sense for them to try to you know do a, a dish. <laughs> <laughs> if you will, um, and, and going head to head with the major carriers, but they certainly have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, opportunity within their own franchise areas to become a standalone wireless provider. And then you know they're in a position to bundle that that service with uh, internet, with uh, pay TV, whatever, what have you. So unlike carriers in 
the area where I am, I'm trying to get them to put my wireless and my internet uh, bills on the same on the same invoice, and they haven't come around to that yet. So, um, yeah. Well, look, Brian, this is this is great. We really appreciate your um, your take on this and, and the uh, the uh, insights you could bring. Uh, any any final uh, comments or thoughts that you'd like to share with us? We're you know we just moved from one auction to the next. Uh, it won't it won't be long before we see participants for the C band auction. And again, like I mentioned, uh, the the two point five gigahertz auction, which will be a big one for Sprint. Mm -hmm. To, to pick up some of the areas they don't control, mm -hmm. but it also has the ability to to be a solution in rural markets. Um, that 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 if I was the, the the two bands that are highly focused on essentially private LTE or private 5G ownership um, really are the CBRS band, and then you also do have owners in the 2.5 band that that are not necessarily carriers like Chevron. So yeah. Uh, Though those, um, it'll be interesting to kind of see. I, I would expect for the C band auction to be a very carrier based auction, but uh -huh, the, uh -huh. the five gigahertz auction will be um, potentially more free flowing, like uh, the CBRS auction. Well, good. Well, we have we have that to look forward to. I think it's always interesting when these auctions take place and uh, and we see the jockeying that goes on and, and who the players are and and ultimately what that means for. For the wireless business downstream, uh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, interesting to follow, and I think it's a good time to be in the business. Planning to publish uh, some kind of report related to this auction, or how does that go? Um, trying to think if you know, just some of the, the I, I kind of call them teasers that I'll I'll probably put out a teaser on um, like a national map that shows how much GAA spectrum literally is available on a on a county by county basis so okay. you'll see that most of the u.s has 80 megahertz and that there are there's actually a county in the new york market that that had an additional five that weren't that weren't uh, bid on in the auction so uh, well we certainly appreciate your time uh tell us how if someone's interested in getting more information how they can reach you or, or where they can look to to get information from your firm. Yeah, absolutely. So you can reach us on the, the internet on our website is www.allnetinsights.com. And you can also email us at info at allnetinsights.com. Again, thanks for your time, Brian. And uh, to everyone who sat in on our call today, um, uh, please, uh, Enjoy your weekend and um, stay safe, everyone. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.